Happy Halloween, or at least, well, it is when I'm recording this, and it won't be when I'm done. It's Bilal Bakani at BilalB87 on Twitter and Instagram. Crown Jewel fixes multiple wrongs. We had the first women's match ever. The World Cup had a very worthy team winning. Bray Wyatt became the universal champion. Team Hogan versus Team Flair was pretty good. And the entrances were bigger and better as well. Let's get right to it. You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. So let's get right, 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 right to the main event. Backstage earlier on, Seth Rollins says his rivalry with Bray Wyatt, it has to end tonight. And, well, yeah, they're on different shows. And they made it very clear when Bray entered that if he won this match, he was taking the red belt, the universal title, to SmackDown. He's going to be there tomorrow night on Miz TV, which is now tonight because I'm recording this right before midnight Eastern time. And this Falls Count Anywhere Universal match, yes, it had the red lighting, which I know some people don't like. I don't mind it. It adds something to it. It had tables. It had sledgehammers. It had all the stomps. And <coughs> the big spot was Rollins super kicking Bray into a series of boxes that for some reason triggered an explosion. Could only imagine they were leftover pyrotechnics. Seth goes to kind of pick the pieces of Bray out of this series of boxes as he removes the first box. Wyatt appears. Uh, well, first an explosion is triggered that kind of rings Seth's ears and then Wyatt comes out of the pile, hits him with the mandible claw and turns that into a sister Abigail, which is a good combination. And bam, new universal champion. And this is really the biggest thing I wanted from this show was one of those two titles, whether it was the WWE title or the universal title, it had to get off Brock and Seth. Uh, and I'm glad it did. Very happy about that. Uh, the crowd loved it. The entrances, as I mentioned, were big. Seth had this crazy fire thing going. And obviously, this was the best version of The Fiend's entrance I've seen yet. Granted, it's only been three. Um, but this was great. Obviously, the last thing in a card really gives you a feel. And I really came away from this feeling good. The WWE Championship match that opened the show, I didn't feel so good about. As Brock Lesnar did defeat Kane Velasquez. This is pretty interesting, though. Interesting to see Kane. What was his music like? What was his entrance like? Ray came out before him. What was his gear like? You know, and this was a very different match. It felt more like a UFC fight, which was also very interesting. And it's one of those matches I might actually go back and break down. After Brock won, uh, he, he basically won by a Kamara lock. As it looked like Kane was going to win. And he wouldn't let go, so Ray eventually got a chair, broke it off. Brock threw Ray out. Uh, continued to lay down the smack. Eventually, Ray did fight Brock off. We heard from Ray backstage later, and he said that, okay, maybe you're done with Kane Velasquez, but you're not done with me. So it looks like we will, I don't know how, get more of this Rey Mysterio-Brock Lesnar rivalry. And I must say, Kane Velasquez is very impressive. Obviously, still early days, but I'm quite hopeful. And I give Michael Cole credit. They, they pointed it out. That, hey, never have we had somebody get a WWE title in their debut. So probably statistically, if you're thinking about it, yeah, odds are they don't win the title. Still very interesting. And, you know, maybe in the long run, it's good Kane to get the title here. I would have loved to see him take it and do a little switcheroo with Bray. But I'm cool with this. We had Ric Flair as part of the pre-show. He was backstage talking about his team, his fantastic five members of his team. But I'm pretty sure he forgot Drew McIntyre. And we also had Hulk Hogan who uh, gave us a new nickname for Byron Saxton, Beautiful Byron Brother, which was pretty good. And for whatever reason, when we got to the match, Saxton was on commentary, I guess, just to balance out Corey Graves. 
Big surprise early on as Lashley was accompanied by Lana. So I guess when Vince negotiated for women to go to Saudi Arabia, he only negotiated for the blondes, Lana, Natalia, and Lacey Evans. I'll get more into Lacey Evans and Natalia later as that's a big story, surprisingly. But interesting touch. I don't think Lana really factored into the decision, but obviously good that she's there uh, and certainly gave it a weight to the rivalry. And weirdly, you know, earlier in the show, we didn't have Selena Vega with Andrade, but hey, she's not blonde, so Vince doesn't care. Anyways, Drew McIntyre, who uh, Ric Flair forgot was there as well, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, noticeably without Sami Zayn, uh, and it give, give, give me a great appreciation for what Sami does for him. King Corbin, who I forgot was on the team, to be honest, and they were taking on Team Hogan, which was Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ali, Shorty G, and who I forgot on their team, Ricochet. Talk about a underdog team uh, outside of maybe Roman Reigns. Basically, this became the spot fest you would have imagined, and eventually Roman got the spear on Orton, and it, it works. Obviously, Randy, given certain rumors that he might go to AEW, or he's just doing that as a negotiation tactic, good guy to take the fall. He's pretty much impregnable in terms of where his status is in the company, regardless of any accusations that come out against Randy Orton. And quite fitting, if you're not going to put Team Flair over, uh, you might as well have the guy who makes the most sense to be on the team taking the pinfall on Randy Orton. Very good stuff. Uh, it's so cool to see these guys together with Hogan and Jimmy uh, hard after the match, sort of celebrating together. And Rusev seemed over the moon with the win. We also got Tyson Fury taking on Braun Strowman. And this was a lot better than I thought it would be. First of all, Fury got an absolutely baller entrance. You have to see it to believe it. He dressed up as a Saudi prince, essentially, or a Saudi at least. And I think he had two different songs in there. The pyro, like, this was one of the better, this is the best Saudi entrance I think I've seen, period. Uh, very good stuff. The match itself was very interesting. A lot of the beats you get from Braun, but Fury had kind of his own kind of shots. Braun was trying to integrate that boxing style, very much like Big Show and Floyd Mayweather, which was mentioned during the match. Uh, good finish as when they were on the outside, Fury sort of got a KO punch, got back in the ring, and we got that old school boxing count. Obviously, it was a count out sort of TKO combination, but very cool. Obviously, Fury can lose this match, but... Very good way to finish this. Very impressive. We also went backstage during the pre-show with some of the tag teams. The New Day talked about Xavier Woods being out and wanting to carry that momentum into SmackDown tomorrow night when they get a title shot. Heavy Machinery were hungry for the cup, which is pretty funny. We also got uh, Rude and Ziggler saying they wanted to be the best. During the show, after the pre-show, we had the Revival who wanted to show the world they were also the best. And the Viking Raiders told us everyone would fall, which at least was, you know, not them saying they were the best. So the first team out was Rude and Ziggler, which is obviously karma, as this team was thrown together in a turmoil match where they got a fairly favorable spot and became number one contenders and eventually tag champions. So good karma that they started the match. Now, of course, they got jobbers to start, so the Lucha House Party, who didn't even get a promo. They came out. They got beat. We then had Hawkins and Ryder. They got beat. Heavy Machinery actually eliminated Rhodes and Big Z. Then the New Day came out. They moved on. Heavy Machinery uh, was next. Sorry, Heavy Machinery was uh, beaten by the New Day. Then, which makes sense. Again, the New Day has a title shot. The B Team came out. This was easy for the New Day. Then the Revival came out. This was a good preview of their match on SmackDown. Uh, the Revival, I believe they lost here. 
and they attacked the New Day afterwards to set up the OC to move on from there. And then the Viking Raiders were the last team, so they six to nine, six to nine teams. They didn't have a tenth team, which again I would have liked to see the AOP. But the OC got the win over the Viking Raiders, and it worked for me. Uh, this whole best in the world gimmick, it fits really well with the heel team. If you're the tag team champions, I don't think you really need this. So uh, the OC strikes me as a very good choice. Probably not the team I would have picked, but an excellent, excellent choice to give this to. And obviously AJ having the US title, it fits quite well. I'll get to that in a second, um, but very good. So I'm good to see the OC getting something here uh, as opposed to their little tiny title run all those, all those times ago. Now for the first time ever, and this was last minute, there would be a women's match. Natalia was taking on Lacey Evans. And holy moly, I was at SummerSlam in Toronto and the pop Natalia got when she came out as the first women's wrestler in Saudi Arabia on a WWE show out of this world blew away everything I heard in Toronto. And I remember in Toronto when Sasha showed up the night after and beat her up, people were chanting Sasha. This was very different. There was all these shots of women who just, it looked like, you know, they looked in the ring and they saw another woman who, you know, I could do that now. And uh, we'll talk about Mansoor later. And it's certainly possible. And I know these shows get a lot of criticism. And there's a whole other political debate I can have. But let me just say this. A, if the Saudis are listening, I'd love to go next time. You know, I don't need $20 million. I'll go for like 200 you know, $1,000. But, you know, it reminds me of the Harlem Globetrotters. It reminds me of Dennis Rodman going to South Korea. Um, North Korea, sorry. Oh, you should go to South Korea. But I get it. I get the Jamal Khashoggi, I can't even say his name, the death of the journalist of the government uh, hands, women uh, not having the rights they should. These are big issues. But as much as we like to point the finger, we're not perfect. Uh, Donald Trump is caging immigrant children um, at an alarming rate. So nobody's perfect. Everybody has blood on their hands. And this was a great step forward, and I'm sure it's going to lead to more and more. That was my little political rant. Lacey Evans also got a pretty warm response. I don't know, one guy seemed to be throwing water bottles at these people. I don't know what that was about. I'm sure he was taken care of. Um, obviously, they both wore uh, bodysuits uh, with T-shirts over top. Now, in the case of Natalia, this really wasn't that noticeable because she kind of wears a cat suit. And I, I actually presume this is a very slight variation on her normal cat suit with the T-shirt over top. Now, for Lacey Evans, this is a fairly striking difference, but she's a former Marine. She looked fairly comfortable out there. So we got the match. Fairly technical, fairly uh, straightforward, what you would expect. Nothing too flashy, but very well done. Natalia gets the win. Crowd goes wild. Um, there was hugs and high fives. and This warmed my heart. It really did. And... I, I'm very happy with this. And, and this is, you know, I've never been that critical of these Saudi shows because I knew this moment would happen. And this notion that it's spin and all, listen, yeah, it's probably spin. But it's also a great thing for women everywhere across the world, not just in Saudi Arabia, in any country where women aren't treated equally to men. And progress is progress. I don't care what you think politically, what you think of this show. Uh, we should all take a moment and be happy with this progress. Yeah, okay, maybe we don't have to talk about history and all this stuff because it's all relative, but it's a very nice moment. And, and for Natalia, she's been such a polished veteran. I don't know if Natalia, as much as I love her, 
I don't know if there's another women's title run in there for her. This might be uh, the last big, big highlight for her in her career. I don't know if she can top this moment. So I'm glad she had that. And I'm glad of all the people they picked her. Um, I joke about Vince only picking blondes, but clearly Natalia was the right person. Uh, and, and maybe to have Lacey as this person who Vince clearly sees as the future of his women's division is smart because I don't think Vince is going to step away from that. Even if she never moves past the mid-card, Lacey will probably be on the roster for a very long time. I want to jump to the pre-show because it fed into the U.S. title picture and it was very interesting. So we got the pre-show battle royal with the winner facing AJ Styles for the U.S. title later in the night at Crown Jewel. Now, quickly, in the 20-man battle royal, we had um, the 24-7 champion, Sunil Singh, although those rules were suspended during the match, so the 24-7 title couldn't be defended until after. Mojo Riley, uh, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, Sin Cara, Brian Kendrick, nice surprise, Titus O'Neil, Tony Nese, who I didn't recognize at first for some reason, Akira Tozawa, Shelton Benjamin, Apollo, I don't know if his last name is still intact, Buddy Murphy, Andrade without Selena Vega, Drake Maverick without his wife, although we haven't seen her in a long time, Eric Young, surprisingly, Luke Harper, who I'm sure is happy to be in another battle royal, Cedric Alexander, Heath Slater, Humberto Carrillo, and No Way Jose. Now, the people who got entrances, which, which is very interesting, were R-Truth, Buddy Murphy, the two guys who had a match on Raw, Rowan, who's, you know, almost looked like a world champion contender not too long ago, and Andrade, who was without Selena Vega again. I'm really, really surprised that they didn't either have Andrade win this thing or have him get eliminated right away. And maybe not so much tonight, but on Raw the following Monday, Selena could make some point about how Andrade needs her, or Andrade can make the point he doesn't need her. But obviously, they didn't want to highlight this, so they just kind of left it. Too bad. I think there was a narrative opportunity there and something they could have played with uh, quite a bit. Anyways, Harper and Rowan, uh, they worked together, despite the fact they're now on different shows, and they really cleared house. It came down to the two of them, Cedric Alexander and Humberto Carrillo. Eventually, they thought they had Carrillo out, so they started eliminating each other, and Cedric was already gone. So Rowan and Harper started eliminating each other, and then Humberto kind of slides in. He gets the win. Which uh, I'm not crazy about because we just saw this on Raw in terms of him facing AJ Styles. But I'm happy for him. R-Truth, prior to this, <coughs> also uh, ran into the Singh brothers and won the 24-7 title back. Later, we get R-Truth backstage. He ran into the brothers again and then ran into a door and lost the title back to Samir this time. So his first 24-7 championship for Samir. So the title went to three different people. We then got AJ Styles versus Humberto Carrillo. And this was a great match, but of course Styles kept the title. The newly crowned World's Greatest Tag Team, the OC, were ringside. Why the Street Profits or even the Viking Raiders or any other tag team that was a face weren't in Humberto's corner, I don't know. So this was a bit disappointing, but still a good match. We, of course, got finally uh, Cesaro taking on Mansoor. Mansoor had better pyro than all of AEW, by the way. I had to throw that in there. But obviously what happened here is Cesaro put Mansoor over. The crowd went crazy for this guy. Like, one of the biggest pops I've heard all week. And he had a, eh, maybe a long promo after, in fairness. But a very nice, touching promo. And look, I'm half 
Indian, half Pakistani. So I'm, you know, I would consider Mansoor like a brother. So this this guy could be, you know, this guy represents uh, my diversity, you know, even if we're neighbors as opposed to in the same country. So this stuff hits personally for me, and maybe you're not diverse. Maybe this doesn't matter to you. But to me, this is great storytelling. Uh, obviously, the guy's raw. He's a prospect. But he's pretty damn good. And I think this match proved it. On the mic, he, he could use some work, and I would love it if they gave him a manager. But it worked for me. He was speaking from the heart, and it was beautiful. Um, <laughs> I'm getting a little choked up talking to him. Uh, quickly, the last thing I'll say to end on, uh, not me choking up. There was a tease for Survivor Series, which would feature Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which is really fascinating. I don't know what that's going to look like. I imagine we'll see some triple threat situations. But I can't wait. Uh, it can't come soon enough. And that was Crown Jewel. Look, it wasn't perfect. I would have loved for Cain Velasquez to win the title. I would have loved for AJ Styles to lose his US title. To fly in the face of anybody who calls this a justified house show. Because it's obviously not that. The Raw Universal title changed hands. And in fairness, it was a course correction from Hell in a Cell. Because we're past the draft now. Bray Wyatt's on SmackDown. They're obviously going to have to do something to fix this uh, from fixing it. But th this show uh, and the progress of the women, the progress of Mansoor, is beautiful. And I know there's a lot of social justice warriors out there who can't even give this card a chance. But it, it, was, it was special to me. It really was. And my advice, if you haven't seen it, is you should watch it. You really should. Probably on a DVR where you can skip the stuff you don't want to see. Fine. But this was great. Uh, and it, it just reiterates that wrestling can bring people together. And that's about the best message uh, I can give you. Tweet me at BilalV87. And hopefully, you know what? I actually, I'd love to go to the next show at Saudi Arabia. Um, clearly, I'd like the crown uh, themselves, the Saudi family, to hook me up, help a brother out. But I would be honored to go. I, I think this is, you know... Not an ideal situation, but they've really, really, really uh, found a, a, a great platform here for uh, their country's wrestlers, for women across the world, and this is beautiful. It's, you know, I probably will not end a podcast like this, maybe not until the next show in Saudi Arabia, because uh, unfortunately, you know, there, there's not a women's evolution show locked down. Hopefully there is one coming from NXT, but this is special. Anyways, that's it for me. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.